you have your copy of God's Word, take it and turn with me this evening to Psalm 41. Psalm 41, verses 5 through 9. Our focus this evening will be verses 5 through 9, but let's pick up at the beginning of the psalm. Psalm 41. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. I said, Lord, be merciful to me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him, and now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Amen. This is the word of the living God and we say thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we pray that you will attend to our hearts, that you will raise our affections for Christ, that you will give us instruction from his word to his people. Help us this evening, we pray, by your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Our focus this evening is Psalm 41, verses 5 through 9. This passage is about the words of enemies and the words of pretend friends. This passage, this section of Psalm 41, is about the words of enemies and the words of those pretending to be friends. And these verses, and in their mouths, we learn some things about how not to speak about others, particularly the people of God. Sometimes we learn from the word when the word says, do this. Sometimes we learn from the word when the word says, do not do this, or gives us an example of what not to do. Well, Psalm 41, verses 5 through 9, gives us the account of David, who likely was sick, who had experienced a physical illness, who says in verse For I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. David, the psalmist, experiencing physical illness, it seems, and perhaps some kind of spiritual challenge. And then he recounts in verses 5 through 9 various types of words 
of enemies and words of pretend friends. We'll pick up in verse 5, but just by way of getting our context, verses 1 through 4 is an expression, it's a description of the account of the righteous one. We get this throughout the Bible, and particularly the book of Psalms. Here we have an example. Blessed is he who considers the poor. It's an example of one who is righteous, one who is walking in the way of the Lord. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him. Verse 3, perhaps very crucial to David. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. So in verse 1, we see this word blessed. This is the loudest word in the psalm. It is the most crucial word in the psalm, and it is the word spoken by God. God is the one who declares blessing even when others declare curse. Blessed is he who considers the poor. In verses 1 through 3, we see a description of God's providential care over the believer, in this case particularly David. And then in verse 4, we see a picture of spiritual rest in God, don't we? Notice what he says there. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. The name Jesus is not there, but that is the cry of every repentant sinner. Lord, be merciful to me. We don't have all the circumstances in the psalm surrounding what David is going through, but he's physically sick. He's perhaps at a spiritual low point and enter his enemies and his friends. I would submit to you that in verses 5 through 9, we have four different aspects of the mouth of enemies. And brothers and sisters, as we consider this, let us consider what we do with our mouths and ask the question, are we enemies of those of whom we speak? Are we pretend friends? Let us avoid being David's enemies and pretend friends. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 5. My enemies speak evil of me. And then we get a quote as if this is what they're saying. When will he die and his name perish? The first kind of enemy mouth that we have here is slander because of envy. Slander because of envy. Notice why the enemies speak evil of him. They say, when will he die and his name perish? David has a name and they hate it. David has a name and they hate it. Notice that there is something about him that they didn't like, so they speak evil. There is slander, there is evil speak because of envy. Listen to the Puritan Matthew Henry on this text. Quote, they envied him his name. And the honor he had won, and doubted not, but if he were dead, that would be laid in the dust with him. So here he is on his sickbed, and his enemies and pretend friends are saying things like, when will he die and his name perish? Now notice, the slanderous lips come from a heart of envy. This shouldn't surprise us. 
Jesus in his teaching says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our problem, brothers and sisters, when we misuse our tongues is not simply the behavior of our speech, but it is what it reveals about our hearts. Here, these enemies slander David. They say evil things about David because in one way or another, they are envious of his name. They want it to go away. Do you ever speak evil of someone? Say false things or seek to bring down their character because your heart is envious of who they are or what they have. Now, maybe you're not an enemy like David's enemies. I mean, after all, he is the king. He's the ruler of this theocratic nation. His name is bigger than our names will be, of course. And so certainly you're not an enemy, but perhaps in a more subtle sense, do you have an enemy mouth? Do you slander because you don't like what someone else has or what someone else is. Slander because of envy. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? I don't mean this to sound too strong this Lord's Day evening, brothers and sisters, but if our mouths are full of slander and our hearts are full of envy, we are acting like enemies toward those of whom we speak. So in looking at what not to do and in the kind of mouth to not have, we have a picture in David's enemies of slander because of envy. But secondly, notice in verse 6, we have a picture of an enemy mouth in this way. Flattery because of manipulation. Flattery because of manipulation. Look at verse 6. And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. Now, I don't know if you can see what's happening there, but David is on his sickbed and his pretend friends come to visit him. I mean, that's a good thing to do when someone is sick, to go visit them, to send flowers, to write a card, to prepare a meal. David had those kinds of relationships. If he comes to visit me, (laughs) he speaks lies. Which means what? There is pretend positive word. There's a word for that. Flattery. This is flattery. Pretend words. The Scottish theologian of the 1600s, David Dixon, when commenting in his commentary on the book of Psalms, writes this, quote, The end of the wicked man's pretended kindness to the godly and of his insinuating himself into their fellowship is that he may make observation of something in their behavior or condition or speeches whereof he may make advantage against them. Their visits are pretend. They're doing it to get something, or they're doing it because of social convention. He is the king, we're in his court, or whatever position they may have had. We're going to go, we're going to give those pretend words of flattery. Hope David doesn't recognize. But really, we're after something. We're after something. 
Notice the second part of verse 6. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. If we're to avoid being enemies in mouth of other individuals, particularly of believers in the body of Christ, we need to avoid slander because of envious hearts, but we need to avoid pretend words or flattery because we're trying to manipulate them. A question for us to consider, do you ever utter what appears to be positive, nice words in order to get something from a brother or sister in Christ? This is a deep, scalpel-like question, isn't it, for us all? Because we wrestle with our tongues, as the book of James says. Here we have on display an ugly example And who among us would say, I am like one of David's enemies? Most of us would not say that. But when we ask ourselves the question, do we ever say positive things to someone else in order to try to get something, to manipulate, to twist their arm, or to get the advantage? That's flattery, which the Bible condemns over and over and over again. Now this ought to ask or cause us to ask the question, what's the difference between flattery and encouragement? I mean, after all, don't we need people like Barnabas in the body of Christ? Don't we need positive words? Don't we need to be able to be encouraged? Well, let me give you perhaps the difference in definition between flattery and encouragement. You could define these in several ways. I'll take a stab at it. Flattery goes like this. I want you to notice me through my kind words about you. Let me say that again. I want you to notice me through my kind words about you. Whereas encouragement would be, I want you to notice you and Christ in you through my kind words about you. Are you tracking with me in the difference? Flattery is, I want you to notice me through my kind words about you. Encouragement, on the other hand, the Barnabas-style speech, I want you to notice you and Christ in you through my kind words about you. And when I say encouragement is wanting someone to notice themselves, you're, of course, not trying to build them up as if they're sinless, And you genuinely want to encourage them. David's friends weren't offering encouragement. They were offering flattery. Because they were seeking to manipulate him. Again, notice what he says. If he comes to see me, he speaks lies. The coming to see me is positive. Here he is. He's a friend. But what he says... It's a lie. It's fake. It's false. It's flattery. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Christ lived a perfect life with perfect speech that in union with him we may have as our covering his perfect righteousness, including the perfect record of saying no evil ever. And that is a wonderful blessing. Because if we're honest, we in our own record struggle at times with various kinds of enemy mouths towards others. Slander because of envy or flattery because of manipulation. 
consider, brothers and sisters, this question. How might I better encourage versus flatter? David continues, doesn't he, speaking of these enemies, and I'll call them pretend friends because of verse 6. Look at verse 7. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt. And then we get another quote. Here's the kind of thing that they're saying about the sick man. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. It's almost as if they're saying, he's really sick. Something evil's going on here. It's definitely going to take him out. A third kind of enemy mouth that the so-called friends and enemies of David have are mouths of gossip because of evil desire. Gossip because of evil desire. Notice that David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us what the mouth is doing wrong, but also gives us at least one reason why the mouth is doing it. They're slandering because they're envious of David. They don't like his name. They're covetous. They're flattering him because they want something different. They're pretending. So they're saying positive-sounding words. Here, there's gossip. There's whispering, as the text says, because their hearts have evil desires. Notice that phrase there. All who hate me whisper together against me. Whisper together. That's really what gossip is, boys and girls. It's when we say things to other people instead of talking to the person themselves. There's a whispering. We can even catch ourselves doing this. You know how you catch yourself sometimes in gossip? It's, it's when you have to change your physical position or the tone of your voice so that other people don't hear you. There's a whispering. Now, parents, I don't mean you need to whisper so that your child that you just got to sleep in the middle of the night doesn't wake up. I don't mean that you are protecting those like young children who don't need to hear something that you're saying. I just mean when you intend to say something about another person and you position yourself in such a way so that you may whisper. Whispering's not a sin, but whispering about someone behind their back is. They whisper together. What a wonderful way for David to write this. He could have said, they gossip about me. There they are. They're whispering about me. Now notice what he says. All who hate me whisper together against me. You know, one of the needs in the body of Christ is that we reverse the world's pattern of gossip. You read Romans chapter 1, of course, particularly in our day, you're undoubtedly struck by the depths of sin that are mentioned there. The homosexual lust, hatred of God. Have you ever considered that in Romans chapter 1, the world is described as a world full of sinful gossip? Romans chapter 1. We ought to be those people who increasingly reverse that pattern by the grace of God. There are practical ways to shut down whispering. 
If you don't want someone to gossip to you, just say, not in a whisper, but in your regular voice, why are you telling me this? Trust me, they'll stop coming to you very soon. Have you gone to that person? Sister, I'm not sure that's true. Brother, I'm not sure that's true. Why don't you go and talk to not David's enemies? They visit him, pretend to like him, say positive things, and then leave, and there's whisper. And David says, this is indicative of the fact that they hate me, and they are devising my hurt. Notice the reason. They devise my hurt. There's an evil desire there. Look at verse 8. Related to this, we get a little bit of a picture of the content of the gossip. Verse 8. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. I don't know if you, you see the full picture of what the whispering entails. It entails putting forth speculation or incorrect information, sometimes in the context of giving truth. You ever done that before? You're talking about another human being, or perhaps even more close to home, another believer, and you speculate out loud for others to hear? There's a biblical word for that (laughs) hatred of their soul. Sometimes gossip involves whispering, but a whisper that puts forth speculation or incorrect information. Well, maybe. This could be. I mean, you know, this was. But underneath that whispering, that gossip, is an evil desire. And brothers and sisters, these enemies, we don't know all of their identities. We can guess at them if we read the books of the Old Testament, the historical books. Scholars have guessed at who they might be and what this situation is. But it's possible for believers, blood-bought believers, to slander because of envy. It's possible for blood-bought believers to flatter because of manipulation. And it is possible for us, for me, for you, to whisper together or gossip because of an evil desire. We, We have our hearts set on something And so there's a whisper. David says, this is what my enemies do. Well, a fourth kind of enemy mouth is one that might surprise us. And it's one that is used elsewhere in Scripture. Notice verse 9. This one is not so much what is said, but what is not said. Look at verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me or has betrayed me or has become a traitor against me. The fourth kind of enemy mouth that we see here is a silence out of betrayal. Silence out of betrayal. Let's dig into this one in two ways. Firstly, I want to encourage you to see that phrase in verse 9. He has lifted up his heel against me. This is not the only instance in Scripture where this occurs. 
Turn over to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. This is an Old Testament idiom or frame of speech. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 25. What does it mean to lift your heel against someone? Well, Genesis chapter 25 and verse 16. We get... These words, these were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names, by their towns and their settlements, twelve princes according to their nations. These were the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years, and he breathed his last and died, was gathered to his people. They dwelt from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, as you go toward Assyria. He died in the presence of all his brethren. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So he called, or so his name was called, Jacob, which when translated means, as you see in your footnotes, one who takes the heel. Later on, there would be this description of the one who takes the heel being tricky and deceitful. Another reference in the Old Testament to this idea of taking the heel occurs in Jeremiah 9, verse 4. We won't turn there. But this idiom of lifting his heel really is someone who is betraying. Someone who is deceitfully betraying another person. This very verse is a verse that would be later used on the lips of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in John 13, verse 18, when he uses Psalm 41, 9 to describe Judas, who literally ate bread at his table. What's going on, however, in verse 9 of chapter 41? Well, here we have joining the enemies and the pretend friends One who is actually a familiar friend. One who is close. One who has dined at table. Even he has betrayed me. And the betrayal seems to be unexpected. There is a silence here. How often do we need to speak up and we don't? 
How often do we desire the praise of others so we don't speak in defense of the one that we love? Here is an example of something that we do with our mouths, but not with words, but a lack of words. Enemy mouths, David's enemies and so-called friends, slandered him because of envy. They flattered him by their actions and even their words because they wanted something. They they gossiped and whispered together because of evil desire. And when they should have spoken up in the face of evil, they were silent and betrayed him. Verse 10 picks up, But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Now, I don't know if you notice what's happening in the psalm. The very first words of the psalm are really a declaration of God over David, but over the righteous. This one is blessed. The one that considers the poor. The one who the Lord delivers out of trouble. The one that the Lord preserves. The one that the Lord strengthens and sustains. The one who cries out to the Lord, Be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned. Then we get this description of enemies and so-called friends. And then at the very end, on the lips of David, who is blessed? The Lord God. The Lord God. David turns to God when others slander him. He turns to the living God when there is flattery on the lips of his friends. You see, the Lord God doesn't flatter. He doesn't flatter out of manipulation because what in you does he need that he doesn't have? The Lord God doesn't gossip because of evil desire. The Lord God always speaks words of covenant faithfulness over his people. So David turns to the Lord. As we close tonight, brothers and sisters, let us consider this. You and I are people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been brought together into the body of Christ, and our words about each other matter. But our lips before the lost and dying world matter. And what we do with those lips may make us enemies of souls that need to hear of Christ. Or they may separate us from people that we are not enemies with. Every single person that the Lord Christ died for is not your enemy. So we ought to consider before our living God on our faces, help me not to be like David's friends. Help me to rest in Christ 
and plead that he would be changing how I speak. And when I fail, let me remember that it is Christ's perfect speech that is my record of righteousness before the living God. One practical lesson for us is this, and it's kind of twofold. On the one hand, look at what's underneath your speech. We get a diagnostic description of the speech of David's friends here, don't we? We get a heart of envy. We, we get manipulation. We, we get evil desire. We get betrayal. And that's what's going on in their hearts. And David happens to just record what their speech is. Always consider what is in your heart when you speak. But related to that, while we're not called to judge the hearts of others, we are salt and light and we can assist in the shutting down of enemy mouths. We can help when there is slander. We can seek to demonstrate and model encouragement versus flattery. We can seek to shift gossip, and particularly gossip that involves speculation. Brothers and sisters, verses 7 and 8 detail something for us that is probably the most subtle example of what happens in our lives or in the life of a church. Whispering, speculation, incorrect information, getting passed around. And before long, the halls are full of whispering. We have the ability to turn that. Go to that brother. Go to that sister. I'm not sure why you're telling me that. You don't have to do it rudely. (laughs) I'm not sure why you're telling me that. I'm not involved. You should go to them. But also sometimes... We will be called and will need to speak when other enemies would be silent. This passage is about the words of enemies and pretend friends. And brothers and sisters, that's not who we are with one another and that's not who we are with people for whom we must share the gospel. Let us pray that the Lord would guard us from envy that comes out in slander. Let us pray that our hearts would be changed such that we wouldn't need to manipulate through speech, but rather encourage, thinking more highly of that one than this one. Let us pray that the Lord would change our desires over time so that we find ourselves having to whisper less. And let us pray that we would be the familiar friend who still eats bread at table, who doesn't lift up heel against a brother or friend. Let's pray. Living God, we pray that in this example of what not to do, your people would be encouraged about what to do, those who have been named as Christ's people. Help us to do that with each other, Help us to do that in our homes. Help us to do that out in the world. We pray that you would work in our hearts and our souls in such a way 
that increasingly, yes, our speech would be changing, but our hearts would be changing. We pray that we might have David's response when others speak evil of us, for undoubtedly they will if we speak of you. So we pray that increasingly in a hostile world, you would call us to press in, as David does here, to the Lord God of Israel. Help us, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen.